When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back in lady business. Hosted by Jennifer Justice, founder and CEO of the Justice Department, a management strategy and law firm that works with female and woke male entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their wealth, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. Jennifer interviews entrepreneurial women who have done it all, who will be sharing their secrets on all things business, especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights, including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Justice. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we're putting the business back into lady business. Today, I have Kristen O'Keefe Merrick. She is a partner and one of... um, the founders, well, it's a family-owned business, right, um, that your dad started, correct? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. O'Keefe Financial Partners, where she is a financial advisor and a money expert. Thank you for being here, Kristen. My pleasure, JJ. Um, so Kristen is, like I said, a money expert. She um, also, you know, is a mom of two boys and, you know, she is... Um, you know, running a big full life. So we'll talk about some other things that she's involved into a little bit later. But first, I just want to start with what you're doing now and how you got into it. I mean, it's a family business. I think you're the first person I'm talking to that's actually part of a family business. So it's a little oh, that's fun. And <laughs> you know, why? What made you want to do it? Most people like you know they either shy away and go the opposite way, or they're like embracing it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. It's, I started by run shying away. My first, <laughs> my first career was, I mean, my first career was obviously in, in finance as well, but I came right out of college um, 20 years ago. Last month, I started my career and I was a currency trader. I started at Bank of America, um, was kind of enthralled in by like macroeconomics at the time. And, and so that kind of led me down the, into the currency world crazy, crazy career, crazy way to start your business or your life. Rather, it was trading floor. It was exciting. It was fun. Um, my clients were always hedge funds, uh, or just like large asset managers. My clients were just these like mostly men who just screamed all day. And, and therefore I screamed, we all screamed and it was actually a pretty fun job. It was, it was great. I learned a lot. I learned tons about markets you know, foreign exchange is basically the epicenter of macroeconomics and macro markets. So I learned everything there was to know about how the way markets work by just kind of observing things like interest rates and, you know, policy decisions and, and things like that. So it was a really good primer for me. Um, but what basically ended up happening was in my mid thirties, when I started to have the kids, um, it just became a drag. It, it was the like the money started to dwindle, the funds started to dwindle and, the opportunity to see my children started to dwindle. Yeah, right. Can I see my kids for four minutes a day? Is that how this should work? Uh, And so I decided to to kind of sidestep my way out of Morgan's. I was at Morgan Stanley at the end of my career. 
Um, they were generous to me on my way out. And so I was able to make a transition. And that's when dad approached me about coming to work with him in, in his advisory firm. Um, dad had been an advisor and still has, still is. He, he's been in the business for 40 years. And he was kind of nudging me to think about it. And, you know, to your point earlier, it's like, do you want to do what your dad yeah. did? I don't know. Like I didn't ever, like it was never something I sat down and was like, I want to do this job. But it started to make a lot of sense as I thought more about it. Um, first of all, like I said, I had the background. I understood markets. I had the licenses to do the work. Um, and it started to like dawn on me that I could actually do interesting work and be make an impact in people's lives with this work. Right. And that's where I think that was like the most compelling part to me was like, I've always been a bit of a fixer. I've always been a bit of a, like, let me sort your shit out type thing. Right. And, and so this kind of felt like a good job for me. Like, yeah. I can come in and I can clean your closet. Your financial closet. Yeah. I get your financial closets and speak. And so this felt really good. Um, didn't start out as easy as I thought. I mean, it's a hard business to start, especially when you're in your mid thirties with two little babies at home. And so I just hustled and hustled and hustled. Thank God. Um, I met people like you early on in that, um, in that part of my life, because I feel like you helped me so much. Um, so I'm always so grateful for you, but, uh, I, I, you know, building a business from scratch was tough and, you bark up the wrong tree for a long time and you spin wheels for a long time and you spend too much capital and time and effort on people who are never going to be your clients. And then you kind of have to have that moment. And that moment for me was when I realized that um, I really wanted to focus on working with women. Right. Um, Amazing. Yeah. For several reasons. One is that women need help with their finances and, um, and two women are actually really good clients. Uh, They don't know everything. And sometimes that's the type of client you want, right? Is like, teach me, explain to me, I want to learn, but I also don't need to like, tell you what I know all the time. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Not that anyone does that. Not, no one does that. Who does actually. that? No, 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 um, nobody all right. does that. <laughs> so tell us how you fix, like, what is your day? What do you do? Tell us how you fix their financial closets. Yeah. So what I do initially is, you know, I, we ascertain if, if we're a match, right? So somebody comes to me and says, you know, this is my life um, on a piece of paper right now. And, and I think people come to me different phases of life, right? Sometimes they come to me when it's a, um, some kind of inflection point in their life, right? I'm turning, I get a lot of like, I'm turning 30, I'm turning 40. I get a lot of, I'm getting married, I'm getting divorced, I'm having a baby, you know, things, big, big pivotal moments like that. But the other version of that is I've accumulated enough money now in my life and it's overwhelming to me. And I don't think I'm making the right moves with it. And I don't feel comfortable that I'm making the right choices with this money. And so therefore I need some guidance and I need some handholding. So the, the job I, the job I have is, is I call it like three parts. Part one is, is the investments, right? That's just the straight old fashion. Let me take your money. Let me invest it in a way that matches your risk, that matches your um, goals and concerns. And that um, I think we're doing the right things with that money over a certain amount of time. Okay. And that we all have different types of money we have that we need for short term. We need money for medium term and we need money for long term. Sometimes we have kids like we have to save for. Mm-hmm. So we have to, you know, think about them and how we're going to pay for college and things like that. So I kind of take all of that. Um, I call it opening up the hood of the car. I look at everything and then we kind of ascertain what are the short term, medium term, and longer goals. 
and then how we allocate that money and how, what risk buckets we put that money in depending on timeline. And of course, like what I call your gut, right? How risk averse are you? Are you risk seeking? Are you risk averse? Are you too risk averse? And do we need to have a big girl talk about that? Right. Um, right. Cause that's a big problem with. with yeah. Okay. And so let's put a pin in that risk averse, because I think yeah. that goes into that. You're talking about like probably putting in savings and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Like too much savings, right? Like I have $150,000 in my checking account. And why do you have that? Because I don't know what to do with it. I don't want to, I'm afraid to see it go somewhere. I'm afraid to do something with it. Part two of what I do is the planning aspects. And that means different things to everyone, right? Depending on your, your stage of life, depending on you know, your, your situation, are you, are you a single 35 year old who wants to buy an apartment? Are you a um, married 45 year old who has five kids and a dog? Um, Those things look very different, right? So ascertaining what your planning needs are. Do you have a will and a state plan? Do you have insurance? Do you need life insurance? Um, Do you have disability insurance? Are you targeting for are you properly saving for college on the right timeline to actually have the money you need when your kids go to college and it costs a half a million dollars? Um, Cause that's, what's going to cost, right? You know that, right? We're each yes, one of our kids. Is gonna be a half million dollars. Yeah. Um, except I'm not on that plan right now. Just so you know, <laughs> I am a victim of my, I mean, I'm sort of, but not, you know, <laughs> Like, you know, I think it's, I think it's important to be real and vulnerable and say like, I know I'm messing up, you know, I'm, I don't practice what I preach all the time. No, I always support women. I just sometimes don't support myself. (laughs) You just don't support yourself sometimes, but I think that's what we all do. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then the third part of what I do, I call it like the je ne sais quoi of my, of me being me, which is like me just kind of like being up in your shit. Right. Yeah. So, so that's like, you know, I've got I'm trying to refinance my house and I need you to walk me through that, Kristen. I need you to handhold me. I, Kristen, I need resources. I need a good accountant. I need a good state attorney. I need a, I don't know, I, whatever, whatever people need in their life. I got a call the other day. Can we buy appliances? Yeah, you can buy appliances. Go buy yourself a new dishwasher. You're good. So there's a lot that kind of falls into that third kind of bucket of what I do, which is a little bit hard to even describe. I think it does differentiate me a bit from most people in this business because I have a tendency to be a lot more like financial quarterback CFO type person in your life than just like an advisor. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like I really don't want you to make really any moves financially without talking first. And that includes like changing jobs, right? Like I want to see your comp package before you, before you accept it. I want to be able to like explain to you the pitfalls and and pros and cons of the new job versus, you know, the old job. So there's a lot that kind of falls into what I do. Um, But again, the primary goal is to grow your wealth and make sure that you're kind of checking all the boxes that you need to check kind of through this journey. Right. Amazing. And then, so when people come to you, is there a certain minimum amount of money that they have to have? Um, Good question. So again, it's my business. So I make that determination kind of based on various factors, right? So I really, what I try to do is anyone who comes to me, I try to help them in some capacity. Right. Um, if they don't have assets, I can still try to guide them and we can do that based on a session or two, or you can, you know, it really does depend on each personal situation. I have a kind of 
rough minimum that I try to stick to, but sometimes people don't come in below the minimum and I'm interested in them. Right. And I'm like, you know what? You're going to make more money down the road. We'll worry about your minimum. And we're not going to, we're just putting the minimum aside and we're just going to figure it out. And so I've done that a lot in the last few years and it's, it's worked out for the most part. Yeah. Because that's what I find. It's like back to what you're talking about, you know, and and putting your money in savings. And it's like, I find that women just don't even know at what amount you know, whereas a guy's like, I have five grand, make it yeah. five million. You know, women are like, I have a hundred thousand dollars. I don't really know what to do with, but you know, I don't want to waste your time. And it's like right. always, right? I don't want to waste your time. And it's like, I don't want to waste your time. time. It's like I get it in mind too. It's like, look, you'll pay me. You know, that's right. you know, I'm not doing anything for free. I'm trying to train people and women in particular that we gotta, we have to pay each other, we have to hire each other, we have to do all those things. Um, because that's what makes, you know, our financial world go around and makes it easier for us to have choices, but ultimately like ask the questions, maybe you don't have enough money right now, but okay. Maybe you will in a year, you know, exactly. and exactly. so let's not waste it by sit, by letting it sit in, in savings. You want to talk a little bit about that with us. So women I understand. Yeah. Risk um, I, I think just to kind of, you know, finish that thought, I think that, um, women have a tough, not women. I think people in general have like the main basic understandings that you need like a savings account with money in it. And you should probably making some kind of contribution towards retirement. And there's a lot of fear about this. Like I've accumulated X amount of money and I need to do something with it. This is like the number one call I get. What do I do with this 25 grand? 50 grand, 150 grand that I've accumulated and I don't actually know the next step. So this is an interesting um, jumping off point to kind of, you know, risk and listen, risk is a funny thing. Everybody has their own level of it. Um, I just had a call with somebody and I was like, you know, it's about gut, right? So risk at its core, I always say when I was a trader, I was really like, I had like a pretty weak gut. Like I would put on a position and then like 15 minutes later, I'd be like, I am going to puke. I'm going to puke. I'm down $500. Puke city. Here we go. And it just wasn't my, it wasn't my jam. Like short-term risk was not for me. And um, everybody kind of knows that based on how their belly feels when you have like a market fall of five or 10%, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll get like my pukers, right? I have my people who just want to puke, puke city. They want to throw up. They want to sell everything. They want to move on. And then I have the the opposite end of that spectrum. That's like, we're down 5%. Let's buy, buy, buy. And somewhere along that spectrum, you sit, right? You're, you're somewhere in that. And no understanding that is really important. Also understanding if you're too risk averse is really important. Okay. So if you have a 401k or a IRA that's sitting where somewhere and it's sitting in treasury bonds and you're your age or my age, that's a bad strategy, right? You can't touch that money till you're 65 years old, you know, you have a 20 year time horizon, you can take more risk in those 20 years and allow your money to grow for you. Right. Um, conversely, if you're saving money for a house in a year, you, your main goal is capital preservation. So you're going to want to dial back your risk. And a lot of people have a really hard time distinguishing between these two things, between these two extremes. And that's my job, right? My job is to explain appropriate risk. Uh, I'm not saying anything that you don't know, but and I'm not stereotyping it. There are proven science and facts about the, f- the fact that women don't take enough risk. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And so as a result of not taking enough risk, well, what happens when you don't take enough risk over time? You don't end up with enough money in retirement, especially compared to men, right? So men are going to end up with more money saved in retirement, A, because they're in the workforce more, because mm-hmm. they're not being pulled out of the workforce for kids and parents and all the other shit that we get pulled out of the workforce for. So they're consistently making contributions throughout their lives and they're more aggressively investing it over that time. So women have a few handicaps when it comes to taking risk. And so there's a real thing called a retirement gap. It's it's a gender retirement gap and it's proven. Men have more money at retirement than women, but it's not just a retirement problem. It's just an overall risk problem. And I think sometimes the calculation of risk in people's head um, goes back to a lot of the things that we were taught and a lot of the tropes that we learned and a lot of things we didn't learn as young women. And, and so I think there's a lot of kind of bad uh, lessons that we were taught as either teenagers or in our young 20s about not seeking enough risk. To your point, a guy with five grand is like, I want to make five grand and five million. And then a woman's like, I have five grand. I better put it in my emergency savings fund and not touch it for the next hundred years. Um, And I mean, listen, I could like go on for days about why that is, but the fact is it is what it is. It's real and it exists. And so my like number one goal in life is to get women to understand risk and to make appropriate decisions with me or with someone so that they are making the right moves from their, or from the time they start making money, basically. Okay. So when they start making money and they're doing this, so, you know, you went through a whole litany of all the different kinds of things that you did in the beginning and, you know, financial um, advisor, I think it's a little bit different across the board and how you see it because, Unlike other women that have actually interviewed for this, you're not affiliated with a bank. No, right? we are so, not affiliated. I'm no, no. Right. So explain the difference there, because yeah. my experience with the financial advisors is totally different. They're not sitting there harping on me about my, my five, what is it? The five, five twenty nine. <laughs> I, I have one. It's just not, I know you do. I know you know. <laughs> I know you do. Okay. And that is the college saving for college um, for your kids situation. Um, but you do like you get involved. So you want to speak a little bit more about that? And- yeah. So the way that the industry is kind of evolving has evolved and evolving in the, in the last maybe decade is that what you're seeing is a lot of advisors moving from what we're calling the traditional wirehouses, the places of like the Merrill Lynch's and the Morgan Stanley's and the UBS's of the world and moving more towards an independent model. There's a million reasons for that. One of them is compensation. When you have your own business, like we do, we make more money, right? That's straight up. We get paid more. I take more from, I pay my broker dealer for their infrastructure and their supervision and all the things that we do to, in order to be a financial advisor, but I'm not paying 60 cents on the dollar to Merrill Lynch, like, like a Merrill broker is. Okay. That's part one. Part two is that I am not subject to their, about what they, they're telling me to sell. Okay. I make up my own portfolios. I have a lot of freedom in that area. Um, I just created two portfolios like this past month that I'm so excited about. Uh, One of them is a pure um, sustainability um, portfolio. And the other one is called the future is now portfolio. And yeah, really fun. I'm super excited about them. They're really cool. Um, But like that gives, I have the freedom to do this and I have the freedom to kind of say like, I'm going to sell you the products that we have tested over the last 40 years that we think are really, really good, as opposed to being told 
you know, by my branch manager at whatever buyer house I work at that I have to sell certain funds. Okay. Like that, that has gone away and we have no interest in, in, in doing business that way anymore. And I think a lot of advisors are, are kind of moving towards this model of, of the independent advisory models so that you can kind of have this freedom, freedom over the portfolios, freedom over the clients you bring in places like Merrill Lynch because have minimums, right? They won't talk to you at Merrill Lynch if you don't have a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. So that's very different for me. And thank God I didn't have that because I wouldn't have had any business to be getting. <laughs> well, especially because, I mean, it's like me, it's like we're representing women who by and large make 80%, lo- I mean, you know, 80% of what men make down to 50% of what men make. And that you compound that over time, mm-hmm. that is millions and millions and millions of dollars of lost income. Right. And so our disposable income and what we are individually worth is probably 20% of what men are worth. Yes. Ultimately. Yes. I don't know what data and signs have been done there, but I gotta look that up. <laughs> it's I mean, it's all the compounding effect. It's the same with the gender yeah, retirement exactly. gap. It's the yeah. same exact idea, right? It's yeah. like if you actually look at retirement accounts, you could probably figure out, you could probably do the math over time of like of how much wealth has been left on the table. The interesting thing though, I will say, which is positive, is that the transfer of wealth allegedly in the coming years is going to move from predominantly man, male to female. In other words, that women will control more assets than men in aggregate. This is the very buzzy conversation. You have to laugh, right? Like all the financial advisors mm-hmm. talk about this, mm-hmm. right? And they're like, hey guys, let's, I have an idea. Let's have women as clients. <laughs> Ooh, how spicy. They are so, <laughs> they're pioneers, I tell you. And I always giggle. I'm like, oh, really? I should call the women. Let me call the women and ask them to be my clients. Um, but you know, that is allegedly where this is all going, that women will control the over over overwhelming amount of wealth over the next decade or so. Um, and so all the men need to start calling women, but that is itself a very unique and different world than we've ever lived in. And so it's so crucial that women start learning more about this. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and so when, you know, I know that you're also a money expert, so you talk a lot about it online, et cetera. And you have this kind of program that you call uh, making money less weird. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for bringing it up. It's my favorite. Um, I'm actually about to launch my new site. It's probably coming out in the next month or so. It's the idea is it's a place to go for content. Um, I, a lot of my, my pieces that I've written are on there. I'm going to start doing, creating video content. I, I didn't done a few beta courses last year um, on just to kind of put together the syllabus and stuff like that to, to start creating like little tiny 10 minute videos about what the hell is compound interest? Why do we keep talking about it? Why does it matter? Things like that. But making money less weird is this idea of exactly what it sounds like. Why are we all so fucking weird about money? right? Well, who knows? There's a million different reasons why we're all weird about money. Maybe it's our mothers. Maybe it's our fathers. Maybe it's because nobody talked about it. Who knows? But the point is that we all have this money weirdness and getting around it and getting over it or going, digging right through it is, is the path to financial success. So the, the platform is really designed to be the place where um, you know I can kind of spread my, my mission, which is basically financial literacy, right? It's, right. it's a pretty straightforward mission, but 
I try to do it in any, any capacity. If anybody asks me, I'll talk about money, right? So I can talk to teenagers. I'll talk to the women. I'll talk to, I'll talk to anybody who wants to listen. If you give me 30 minutes, I can really change the way you think about money. And that I think is the most important kind of aspect of what I do, but then also like kind of digging deeper and start talking about investment products, what an ETF is versus a mutual fund, what matter, why an ETF is better than a mutual fund, or maybe not. Um, you know, what the difference is between a large value stock and a large growth stock. Um, you know, things that really become are very overwhelming for people. I break down in very kind of discernible, easy kind of bites. And the people are like, oh, wait a minute, this isn't that complicated. And by the way, none of this is that complicated. Like right, this right. is all middle school math and like some buzzy words that we just need to like move around. It's not that big of a deal. It's more this idea that it's overwhelming to us, but I love this platform I've created. It's kind of the answer to like, I can't manage everyone's money, right. but at least I can try to help right. you in yeah. some capacity. This is my answer to like helping women uh, right? podcast is like, absolutely. Okay, let's talk about the things that like, I can help you, but I can't help all women. So, you know, as you said, I'm referring people to you and to other, you know, female found female, like just represented, rep, you know, reps that can help in all aspects of women's lady business. Yes. Yeah. And you are the queen of that. And, and I think everyone needs to know that you actually do it. You do the work. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I know that you do too, because I know some women that you help and they are, you know, very um, thankful for the recommendation. So, um, so, and so when you're doing these things and make money less weird, and you're going to launch the website, which I'm super excited about, like, what are the top, like probably three mistakes that women make when it comes to their money? Um, the first is the risk issue. Yeah right? Too low of a risk tolerance, not taking enough risk over time. That's, that's definitely number one. Um, number two is time, not investing early enough. Mm-hmm. Like I want all the 22 year olds, give them to me, put them in front of me so that I can tell them to start making contributions to their retirement plan, putting hundred dollars in their savings account. I don't care. Just start doing it because the, t- like I always, when I do my seminars, I talk about this idea of how time compounds and time compounding is like mind blowing. If you start at 25 versus 35, how much more money you have when you're 65 years old. Yeah. It's crazy. Like it's the most insane thing. So that's part two, do it early, do it often. Um, Make sure you're actually invested in putting your money in actual growth opportunities as opposed to like treasuries. Um, And I would say number three is like, the idea of the stories we tell ourselves about money. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that. So I'm just going to ignore it. I saw somebody recently who I've known since high school and um, she's married and she's lives a nice life and she's got a wealthy husband. And she was asking me what I do for work. And I told her and she was like, Ooh, ooh scary stuff. Can't <laughs> learn about that. And I was like, well, I can teach you. And she was like, oh, no, I don't want to learn. And I was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> so like the idea that you don't want to learn about this is, I don't know, it's like kind of like not wanting to learn about like your health. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't want to know if I have skin cancer, but yes, of yeah. course you do. Like, <laughs> of course yeah. you do. So I, I don't know that that I think is, is those are kind of like my hot, my hot three that I would say that are 
the biggest mistakes. Right. I know. And the last one and the education and self-education, because it seems like it's really scary, but like you said, you can break it down and it's not that scary. I mean, mm-hmm. if one gender can figure out, we can certainly figure it out, but we've been told it's, it's yucky and we, yeah. you know, it's like, it's not that fun. And so, but it's like, but we like to spend money. So don't we like to earn it? And you never know. Absolutely. There can be always something around the corner. We've seen all of the, we've seen all the movies. We've read all the articles about, you know, the man who lost all the money. And then the next thing, you know, they have nothing or some tragedy happens, you know, or X, Y, Z, like you never know. And like, why yeah. not take control of your life and your independence? So you have your own choices. So you're Absolutely. not always answering to somebody else about the money. You know, right. I think it's so important. And um, don't be afraid to ask questions, right? Yeah. Like, Again, like kind of going back to this like health example, like if I found like a weird skin tag, I would go to the doctor and ask a question right. about it, right? Like yeah. same thing with like, well, gee, you know, this is confusing. Maybe I need to ask somebody for help on this. It's just asking for help is is the best thing yeah. you can do. I love it. Um, all right. We don't have that much more time, but I know that you have one other thing um, that you do. Women work fucking hard. We yes. They shook us. Well, tell us a little bit about that. So, yeah. So it kind of know. started with just a party, which you were, you were an attendee. Yeah. Um, and it was literally a party that we wanted to do for people in the city to come and get together. And, and we wanted to like show off a friend of ours who was an esthetician and, and that's how it started. And it kind of was jokey. Cause we all do fucking work hard. Um, and it just became a thing. And, and now we're really, we're growing it in a concerted way. Um, the goal is to connect women. The goal is to connect women to resources that they need. Um, whether that's a small business owner who is looking for fundraising opportunities, whether that is somebody who needs, you know, to be connected to somebody in PR, but bringing women together city by city and really trying to, bring awareness to the fact that we all need help and we can all help each other. And it doesn't have to be by writing a check. It can just be by buying a woman owned lip gloss or, you know, paying attention to where your money's going when mm-hmm. you're actually making these purchases. So um, ideally we're going back to our February party in New York city, and we're trying to figure out and navigate this stupid pandemic um, because we really want to go to different cities. And then what we did over the pandemic was we did some of these salon series, um, which were virtual. And actually, I think we're going to try to do one um, about Texas in the next week or so, which I'm really um, yeah. we're trying to pull that together right now. So, um, but the, you know, the idea is that we can use kind of both of our communities, Lindsay's in the entertainment business. I obviously have a very unique um, network with given my clients and, and my careers and stuff like that, but bringing these, all these women together and bringing resources and education to people who are interested in it. Love it. Yeah. Well, uh, like you said, we could talk for three days about a lot of these subjects, yes. but um, we all have something to do. So um, the last question, which I ask everybody is what is the worst advice you've ever gotten? God, <laughs> I've got a few. Um, I, I, I had a boss who um, she just wanted to constantly control my behavior. Like she just wants to, wanted to always. And in one day, in one business day, I had two distinct meetings that she encouraged me to have. I had one with one person and one with a second person. And at the end of the day, she pulled me into a room and she said, Hey, when you talked to Joe Schmo this morning, you were uh, not nearly aggressive enough. You should have asked for X, Y, and Z. 
Hey, and when you talked to Bob in the afternoon, you were way too aggressive with him and you should have done this. And I basically looked at her and I was like, so which one is it? Should I be more aggressive or should I be less aggressive? Like, how is it that a woman is supposed to act on a day-to-day basis? Because mm-hmm. you're confusing me. And it was a good metaphor for just some of the terrible managers I had in my former career about just the terrible signals that women get about behavior, right? The way that we're supposed Unfortunately, to- that was from a woman too. Usually the oh. advice is always from a man. Oh yeah. She was a piece of work. So, I mean, I have plenty more. Most of them are about how I properly never asked for a proper raise or um, promotion, but that's a whole other web. That's a whole other podcast, JJ. Yeah. Well, we have, we have many, many hours of this podcast. So, um, all right. So if people want to find you, thank you so much. If people want to find you, how can they do that? Right. Okay. So, um, my Instagram is, uh, the girl who saves money. Uh, the website is okeyfinancialpartners.com and the new site that's about to launch is, uh, making money less weird.com and womenworkfuckinghard.com. <laughs> Love it. A lot of dot coms going yeah. on in your world. Wow. Oh, you can find us on Instagram on, on women work fucking hard too. Mm-hmm. You'll find us. There's Thank nobody you. else called women work fucking hard. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. And the girl who saves money. Um, well, thank you so much, thank everyone you. listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. Like and subscribe and let us know other topics that you want to hear about. Until then, next time, I'm Jennifer Justice.